Hi, this is Sue Burke. Welcome. Let's make sense of science. Today is World Wildlife Day, which is a coincidence more than a plan, but I am excited that I'm actually publishing a post and a podcast on a day designated for something as important as wildlife. Why do we need wolves? As a fiction writer, my first response is that wolves are important for fairy tales and fantasy, so we have a ready-made antagonist. Kidding aside, why are wolves important? What made me think about wolves in the first place? I read a news article about Wisconsin hunters in the DNR, that's why. Gray wolves, Canis lupus, were removed from the Endangered Species Act protections in January 2021. So what does the Wisconsin DNR do? They decide this is a clear sign of recovery and point to declines in game animals due to wolf predation. They carefully doled out hunting tags. Three days later, it all backfired. As I interpret that statement, the DNR is saying that they want to kill wolves so hunters can kill more of the deer. What? Before I get myself more rattled about the Wisconsin DNR's decision, let's back it up and look at these highly intelligent social animals starting with their mystique. I'm always intrigued by psychology and mythology. Wolves have a rich history intertwined with humans. They have a central place in the folklore of cultures from North American Arctic to the Indian jungle to the Chinese tropics. The role of wolves in mythology are diverse, ranging from wise hunter to wild animal. Fenir, a giant wolf, is one of the most terrifying figures in Norse mythology. He's a monster that threatens the worlds of humans, gods, and giants. See, ready-made bad guy. In the Wolf of Zongsan, I'm sorry, I butchered that, um, a fairy tale from southeastern China, a clever wolf uses logic to almost get his way. Of course, the big bad wolf in Little Red Riding Hood has his way with Grandma and Little Red Riding Hood. I'm going to keep it clean, but couldn't resist the double entendre. <coughs> the wolf's wise nature is highlighted in Algonquin mythology. There's a great wolf spirit that is fair and kind and rules the land of the dead. This positive attitude about wolves plays forward to 2021. And across the pond in Italy, Romulus and Remus, the mythic founders of the eternal city of Rome, were famously saved by a wolf. And in the Jungle Book, Mowgli, an orphan boy, is raised by a wolf pack, and because of the wolves, he is honorable. Maybe I ought to stop here before I venture into werewolf territory. Okay, I can't resist. Just one, I promise. In 1521, a passerby saw blood on the ground. He followed the trail to a cottage where a man was having his arm bandaged by his wife. Good Samaritan? Maybe not. The passerby thought this suspicious and reported it to the authorities. The authorities arrested the man and tortured him until he confessed. For what, you ask? For committing heinous crimes such as diabolism, murder, and eating human flesh. That must have been some torture. The man, Michael Verdon, also gave up the names of two others. All three men were executed and burned. I'm not sure in which order that happened. They became known as the werewolves of Polgny. 
I uh, prefer not such a good neighbor after all. Here's another answer to the question, why do we need wolves? The origins of dogs date back thousands of years. Dogs evolved as domesticated descendants of the wolf. I know you knew this, but it's cool. The dog diverged from a now extinct population of wolves 40,000 years ago. The modern gray wolf is the dog's nearest living relative. In 2017, a study showed that 9,000 years ago, the domestic dog was present at what, it, what is Zakoff Island in Siberia. The dogs were selectively bred either as sled dogs or hunting dogs. Today, dogs are the most variable mammal on our planet, with 450 separate species. I could wax poetic about dogs for a long time. In fact, I have a post on my website about how your pet manipulates you. It's called Puppy Dog Eyes. But let's get back to why we need wolves and how man messes things up. Wolves first appeared in the early Pleistocene period, which was about a million years ago. Wolves adapted to the entire planet until we decided otherwise. I have a map on my website about where wolves have been eradicated. Why, you ask? Well, wolves are a classic example of nature's complex connections. And yes, man is afraid of wolves, but actually, to date, in Michigan and Wisconsin, there have been no documented wolf killings of humans. Let's get back to a horror story. Not a fairy tale, but an actual documented horror story. We'll start at Yellowstone National Park. It was established in 1872, and it's our it was our first national park. Ranchers in the area around the park worried about a new park and their livestock. In response to the ranchers, the wolves were eradicated from the park. The last pack was wiped out in 1926. Change came quickly. Free from predators, the elk population soared. Large areas of the park were stripped bare from their foraging. Riverbanks were hit hard. Elks didn't need to hide from the wolves. Why not eat the juicy grass and tender saplings where they could also get a drink? The desolate landscape didn't provide enough sustenance for the birds. Populations and numbers of species drastically declined because the elks were eating all the tender saplings and the grass. Beavers rely on willows and poplars, which are nutrient-rich trees that love the water. Since all those trees were ending up in the stomachs of the growing elk population, the beavers had nothing to gnaw on, and they disappeared. Riverbanks became wastelands. Without the trees, the soil eroded. Rivers meandered and changed course, leading to more seasonal flooding and more erosion. This folly continued until 1995. Finally, someone figured it out and released wolves that were captured from Canada back into Yellowstone. What happened next was a trophic cascade. That means a change in the ecosystem starting at the top of the food chain. The wolves did what they do. They ate the easy-to-catch elk. Elk that had no clue how to hide from a predator or even what a predator was. Generations of the good life made them forget. Elk populations declined. This gave the little trees at the riverbanks a chance to grow. Plus, the elk learned to be afraid of the wolves again. They avoided the open areas and riverbanks, 
hid out in the woods. So the trees grew even faster. Rivers stopped meandering, erosion slowed. Birds and beavers returned. Beavers built dams, which slowed the water flow even more. Ponds formed. Birds feasted on what grew in the ponds. In fact, the bird species in Yellowstone today are even more diverse than they were initially. Flash forward to now. The United States still allows killing of wolves on the grounds that this can help conservation. Culling is the reduction of the population of a wild animal by selective slaughter. Killed to conserve? Does culling work? I don't want to admit this, but a study done in 2016 by the University of Wisconsin showed that culling a wolf population slowed population growth by 92%. Technically, culling works. Populations decline. Science does back this up. That said, ecosystems are more complicated than that. Interestingly, intolerance for wolves and inclination to poach wolves rise when the government culls wolves. If the government thinks it's okay to kill wolves, people's attitudes towards them plummet. There has been a study about this, and I have a link on my website. Here's another paradoxical finding. The more wolves that are killed to protect livestock, the more livestock is killed. How is this even possible? It has to do with wolf hierarchy and social learning. Wolves live in family groups containing a breeding pair, known as the alpha pair, along with the related sub-adults, juveniles, and of course the pups. The alphas are the only breeders within the group as they limit reproduction by their subordinates. Pretty strict. When one of the alphas is called, killed, this disrupts the family unit. Subordinate wolves, who often outnumber the two breeders, are then free to go to town. They reproduce. This potentially increases the number of breeding individuals in the area, thereby increasing the population of hungry wolves. Another contributing factor to more livestock deaths by wolves is social learning. Experienced wolves pass on their knowledge. This includes how to hunt. If the remaining pack hasn't learned the skills necessary to take on bison or elk, they may instead turn towards easier pickings. Which, is, which are the ranches around the state parks. It is interesting to note that this paradoxical finding is not just found in wolf populations. Lethal control of cougars results in younger inexperienced cougars more likely to attack livestock. In a similar vein, coyote litter size and frequency of breeding actually increases when a population is culled. I have study links on my website www.susanburkcook.com. Another study showed that state-funded coyote removal campaigns have failed to reduce sheep predation by the coyote populations. There are other options, non-lethal options to culling. Guard dogs on ranches. In a South Africa study, 91% of guard dog placements decreased life doc, livestock predation. Seems a little strange in some ways to pit a domestic dog against his ancestors. On the other hand, it makes perfect sense. Yet the culling continues. At the end of February 2021, the Wisconsin DNR dispensed the wolf tags. Wisconsin wolf hunters blew past the state's quota in just three days, 
exceeding the quota by more than 50%. The Great Lakes Indian Fish and Wildlife Commission was appalled by this decision. They say hunting in late February at a time when fur quality is poor and the wolves are in their breeding season is regarded as especially wasteful and disrespectful. Wolves are critically important to our ecosystem. Fortunately, many people are wolf advocates. They, I have a map on my website that shows how areas of the globe where wolves have been totally eradicated are being reintroduced. I know I sound as if I'm up on a soapbox, but we are the penultimate apex predator. We must preserve nature for future generations of all life on Earth. As human populations continue to grow and expand further into wilderness areas, we need to find better alternatives to coexist with wildlife. And on top of that, as I said, it's actually World Wildlife Day. How often does it happen that I manage to get a post published on a day designated to mark an important milestone anniversary event? This is the first time. Go World Wildlife Day. And go wolves. Thanks so much for stopping by and listening. Please check out my other podcasts available on iTunes and Spotify and my website at www.susanburgcook.com. I have lots of interesting articles for you to read. And if you have any ideas about something you'd like me to investigate, please drop me a line. Have a great day.